The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Out with the old, in with the new rally. Stocks looking to kick it off on a high note after a big year for, well, nearly everything. And stock futures, they are higher. What supply chain woes? Tesla knocking it out of the park on deliveries. And that stock is up nicely right now. The travel flightmare continues. Thousands more flights canceled as airlines get whacked with wicked weather and COVID-related staff shortages. Twitter permanently banning a congresswoman from violating its terms five times. We'll tell you who. And later on, another black eye for the world's most indebted company. The full story on that coming up. It is Monday, January 3rd, 2022. And you are watching Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Happy New Year, by the way. I'm Brian. It's great to be back with you on this first trading day of 2022, and there is a lot to do. So why don't we do it? Let's go. All right. Here's how your Monday money looks right now. Futures, they are higher, up two to four tenths of a percent, depending on the index. So not a big gain, but we are up nonetheless. All this, though, coming off some big gains last year, a 27% rise for the S&P 500, its best year since, well, two years ago. But it still had a very nice gain at 27%. A banner year for the transports as well, coming off their best year, since 2013, they posted a very solid gain. And if we check the bond market, the 10-year yield is kicking off its year at just over 1.5%, 1.51 to be exact. Oil kicking off the year higher as well. Are you noticing a trend? A lot of things going up, a lot of green on your screen. Maybe oil, not the one you want to see higher. The price of oil up 1.3% to $76 and change. This, by the way, after the energy sector's best year on record, with a nearly 50% jump. We'll talk more about oil and OPEC in just a moment. <clears throat> the major cryptos as well, they are on the move, guys. And let's check Bitcoin and Ethereum. Let's put that chart up and get going. There we go. We got Bitcoin on the rise, Ethereum also rising as well. All right, now to a quick check on what we are calling the stock of the morning. Tesla shares surging after saying it delivered more than 308,000 new cars in the fourth quarter of last year. That number topping its previous single quarter record and estimates calling for about 306,000 cars for the year. Deliveries for Tesla up 87% on the year and that stock up 7% of the pre-market. We'll get more on Tesla throughout the day because we know you care a lot about Tesla. All right, let's see what's happening in the overseas action to kick off their trading year as well. Juliana Tattlebaum is in our London newsroom. Juliana, happy new year. 
Happy New Year, Brian. Well, 2022 is off to a positive start for European markets. Worth noting that here in the UK, the markets are closed for a bank holiday. But across the continent, we are seeing gains come through. It's a fairly broad-based rally. The German market up about seven-tenths of a percent. The French market, the CAC 40, up about a nine-tenths of a percent. Similar gains for the FTSE MIB over in Switzerland. That market up about four-tenths of a percent. And the Spanish and Dutch markets also trading higher. So building on last year's gains, the stock 600, the main benchmark, rallied about 22% throughout the course of 2021. Now, to give you a little bit of a closer look into what's happening in Germany, here's the DAX. It's up about seven-tenths of a percent. And the majority of German stocks are trading higher, led by Heidelberg Cement, up about 3.7%. We did get some data this morning, final December manufacturing PMIs for uh, the European countries. And in Germany, manufacturers say that they are hopeful that supply constraints ease in 2022. Now, looking at the French market in a little bit more detail, here is uh, the picture of how French stocks are trading. L'Oreal, a key outperformer this morning, up about 2.1% alongside Airbus. Shares there up about 2.4%. In France, new uh, announcements around cutting the isolation period as that country battles their own Omicron wave. Brian, we'll hand it back over to you. All right, Juliana Tatabom, a lot of green on the screen despite that pop in cases. Juliana, thank you very much. All right, now to some of your other big headlines happening right now. Twitter permanently suspending the account of Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. In a statement, Twitter's management said it took action after Greene's, quote, repeated violations of its COVID-19 misinformation policy. Twitter says it uses a strike system and that the Republican representative had received her fifth strike, which meant her account will not ever be restored. In response, Green released a statement saying, quote, Twitter is an enemy to America and can't handle the truth, end quote. Speaking of suspension, shares of China's Evergrande Group were suspended in early trade overnight in Asia. That pending the release of what they call, quote, inside information without any elaboration from the company. Evergrande is the world's most in-debt company, and is struggling to repay more than $300 billion in liabilities, most recently missing payments worth $255 million last week. And we touched on it a bit earlier, OPEC meeting today and tomorrow. Now, the meeting tomorrow is the one you care about. That's about output. OPEC is expected to add, continue to add about 400,000 more barrels per day in output every day until it gets back to pre-pandemic levels. But also note, You may hear about news of OPEC meeting today. They are at 10 a.m. Eastern time, but that is to discuss and possibly decide on who will take over as secretary general of the group or whether the current SG, Mohamed Barkindo, will extend his term. So there's a big OPEC meeting today, but it is not about output. That is tomorrow. All right. Now, let's get to the markets and your money and welcome in. The first CNBC USA guest of 2022, and it is one of our favorites. That is Dan Veru of Palisades Capital Management. Dan, first guest of the year on CNBC USA. Happy to have you on. Happy New Year as well. Uh, now let's get to it. The markets had a big run last year. Do you think the indexes can post 15 and 25 percent gains again this year? Good morning, Brian. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, You know, yeah, I think the markets are positioned to do pretty well this year. Uh, I just think we're going to see a lot of valuation support and a rapid rise in earnings. But you're going to have to look a little differently uh, this time at the market. 
I think we have to look at the average stock within an index, not necessarily the index itself. So you want to focus on companies that are profitable. You want to perhaps underweight uh, the biggest weight in the various uh, 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 indexes. Valuation is definitely going to matter a lot more in a rising interest rate environment than it than it has before. And um, really, I just think uh, uh, if you stick with valuation and companies that are profitable, I think you can do quite well this year because a lot of those stocks underperformed uh, last okay. year. Okay, <clears throat> you're saying you're saying underweight some of the biggest valuations. We're talking about Apple a little bit later on in the program, Dan. Obviously, the biggest valuation out there. Are you saying we might want to trim or take profits in some of our biggest technology companies and maybe add to some of the smaller and mid-cap companies? Yes. So if you're looking at it in any index, you have that sort of crowding at the top, if you will, the top weights in the various benchmarks. There's, uh, if you look at the top 10% uh, weights of each index, whether it's the S&P or even the Russell 2000 or the Smith cap, whatever the benchmark is, there seems to be a pretty wide valuation gap uh, between uh, those bigger bigger weights versus the smaller weights in the benchmark. I'm just pointing out that the better values are in the bottom 90%, not perhaps in the top 10%. That's not to say that the biggest weights you know, won't do reasonably well, but if you really want to outperform a benchmark, I think you have to look at the bottom 90, not stick with the top 10. Let's talk about an individual name. It is a name that we don't talk about much, although you, to be fair, Dan, have been talking about it a bit, and that is Centene. The ticker is CNC. Remind our viewers if they missed it, I don't know, you know, last year, which is a couple months ago, uh, why you like the stock and what in particular makes it an attractive investment for your clients at Palisade. Yeah, you know, you know this, this stock really um, uh, took off, as you can see from the chart, in the fourth quarter. Uh, mainly because uh, it, it just had sort of been left, uh, uh, you know, left aside and had not had not been focused on. It's the largest Medicaid uh, HMO in the United States. They're just about to close the acquisition of Magellan Healthcare, which is a behavioral health company. And, um, you know, it still trades at a significant discount to the S&P 500. This is one. This is a great example of a very profitable company. They recently raised earnings guidance. Uh, the company generates a tremendous amount of free cash flow. And I just think this is the type of stock that will catch up and, and perhaps do better uh, than the index uh, versus perhaps other stocks that might just perform in line with the index. I think the index returns are going to be more muted yeah. this year. So you want to do some individual bottom-up research. Uh, I think there's a lot of tailwinds for Centene. Uh, Magellan acquisition is going to close uh, today or tomorrow. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the pandemic's created a lot of demand for behavioral health services. And uh, I think yeah. Centene and others are really well positioned for that. Uh, certainly one of the sad other stories to one with many sides to the story. But, Dan, we always appreciate you getting up early, coming on. And laying out practical, real-world investment advice. Dan, we'll see you again in 2022. Happy New Year again. Best to you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. All Same right, when we you. come back here on CNBC, you're very welcome. We're going to dig into what is likely the most important stock in the world. It is also the biggest. It is a name we just referenced with Dan. You can There's some video. You can probably guess what it is. We'll talk Apple+. Plus. 
The travel flightmare rolls on, or maybe it doesn't. Thousands more flights canceled. Is it finally going to start to get better? And later on, much more in the record-breaking quarter for Tesla. And that stock up in the pre-market. We're back on Worldwide Exchange right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back. Well, 2021 was a big year for the world's biggest stock, which then made it get even bigger. Apple popped 34%, making investors a lot of money. Apple also sniffing a $3 trillion market cap. But you don't care what happened last year. You care what's going to happen. So let's talk Apple, arguably one of, if not the most important stocks in the world. Joining us now is Alex Kantrowitz. He is founder of Big Technology and a CNBC contributor. Alex, great to have you on. You just might have heard Dan Vrew, and if you didn't, I'll recap what he said, basically saying you may want to start to underweight some of the biggest of the big cap stocks, obviously, like an Apple. Not dump your position, but maybe not as buy as much or sell a little bit of the wins. Would you agree with that? I don't think it's a bad idea at all. If you look at Apple's growth over last year, right, you said 34%. So uh, if we see the same amount of growth that Apple uh, had last year, this year, we're talking not a company approaching $3 trillion, but a company that hit $4 trillion if we were at the same time next year. I think that's just kind of a lot to expect from the company. As the company hits $3 trillion, it's going to have a lot more expectations, and those are going to be tougher to meet. We know there's supply chain constraints. We know there might be some demand issues with the iPhone. And so I think what Dan's saying is spot on. Uh, it might be time to start thinking a little differently about Apple stock. Okay, wow. Think different, by the way. You're stealing, I think, their tagline, Alex. We're going to go. Let's talk about the iPhone first. This year, we'll probably get the iPhone. I don't know what it is, 28 or 14, whatever the number <laughs> is. And I don't mean that lightly. What I'm saying is I feel like people are keeping their phones longer. Anecdotally, you look around, and these incremental improvements just don't drive people out to buy the new phones like they used to. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. You, don't, you look at Apple, it's a culture of refinement. That's what they do inside the company. They make the devices smaller, thinner, faster, and more expensive. And so what that's led to is people saying, okay, well, I have the device. My iPhone 13 doesn't look a lot different from my iPhone 10, and it's not going to look a little bit that much different from my iPhone 14, so I'm going to hang on to it. It means the service business is much more important for Apple. But I think what you're saying is spot on. They're not seeing the upgrades in the ways that 
Uh, we've seen in the past where people wait online and wait for the next iPhone. And I think investors are really banking on another flagship product from yeah. the company. We haven't seen that in a while. And so, uh, yeah, I would say you're right. We, we see that the, you know, the iPhone does get uh, you know, a lot of sales, but um, the services business, other businesses are becoming way more important for Apple. And so, yes, is there going to be a new iPhone in 2022? Most likely we'll see the 14. Is it a monumental big you know, a news event like it usually is? No, I don't think so. Well, you know, nobody did that better than the late, great Steve Jobs. You know, they would do the product things and at the end. He would say, oh, and one more thing. And that was always like the thing. You do wonder, Alex, given how good Apple is, A, at hardware and graphics and B, at keeping secrets. Could this year the wild card be them coming out with something amazing around the metaverse, basically taking Facebook mm -hmm. on the two companies already pretty much hate each other? going right at Facebook and coming out with some spectacular VR device that is the must-have. Yeah, I would say the companies don't pretty much hate each other. They definitely hate each other. And I think you're right. Apple is going to come straight for Facebook's lunch. Uh, they're expected to release a, a mixed reality device, something that combines virtual reality and, and augmented reality. Um, the thing with Apple is, I mentioned earlier, culture of refinement. They're very good at making the iPhone better. They're not very good at making devices in a new category. Think about how big of a failure the HomePod was. Was that so hard? No, it was basically putting Siri in a speaker uh, like the Echo or the Google Home, and they couldn't make that happen. And so yeah. now we're expecting that they're going to come out with this you know, augmented slash virtual reality device. Facebook has, or we call it Meta now, right? It has a huge lead in the metaverse. And uh, it's going to be this really interesting flip where Apple had been the device maker constraining Meta's products uh, on mobile. Now Meta is the one in the lead. It has the you know gold uh, standard virtual reality device, and Apple is trying to yeah. come in and crash the party. And it hasn't been traditionally inventive in the recent years. So that'll be a fun fight to watch. It will. And Apple, I think, <clears throat> to be fair, might have more of a trust factor with the American consumer survey. Not, not my opinion, just saying as far as Facebook's platforms go and what they do. Alex Kantrowitz of Big Technology. Alex, a great discussion on Apple. We appreciate it. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New All Year. right. Still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange. Show. thank you. The go big or go home stock picks that have Stephanie Link coming back for more. That's an interview with Stephanie you can't afford to miss. Plus, your first RBI of the year will lay out the hottest stocks of the past year with some new surprising names. That's all when Wex returns. Happy New Year to you as well. We're back right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome or welcome back. Let's get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines outside of the world of money and business. For that, we go to NBC's Stephen Romo, who's in New York now with that. Good morning, Stephen. Brian, good morning to you. President Biden steps in to ease the escalating tensions on the Ukrainian border. Yesterday, Mr. Biden spoke to President Volodymyr Zelensky, reaffirming support for Ukraine. 
It was their first conversation since Biden spoke to Russian President Vladimir Putin Thursday, warning of some severe sanctions should Russia invade Ukraine again. Russia has posted more than 100,000 troops along the border. And a weekend snowstorm left smoldering debris after those devastating Colorado wildfires. The blanket of snow complicating search and rescue efforts. Two people are still unaccounted for after the blaze quickly tore through about 10 square miles. Nearly 1,000 homes and other buildings were burned in the Boulder suburbs, making this the most destructive fire in the state's history. And another member of President Biden's cabinet now in quarantine after testing positive for COVID-19. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin tweeted that he's experiencing mild symptoms and will stay at home for the next five days. The 68-year-old said he's fully vaccinated and received a booster in October. Wide receiver Antonio Brown's sideline meltdown was the talk of the league on a busy Sunday in the NFL. He tossed his shoulder pads, stripped off his shirt and glove, threw those into the crowd, then ran across the field while the teams were still on the field. Team. Well, after all of that, Brown did not return to the field and the Bucks win over the Jets. And after the game, the team's coach said Brown is no longer a Buccaneer. Brian, back to you. Yeah, and Tom Brady uh, saying we need compassion for Antonio Brown. Maybe maybe needs to get some more help. We'll see. Uh, Stephen Romo, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Very classy move, of course, by Brady. All right, straight ahead. Get charged up. The stock of the day is up 7% right now. It's Tesla. We'll tell you, and we'll tell you what the news is. And if you haven't already, follow the podcast. Hey, great way to kick off the new year. You got your resolutions. One of them should be to follow Worldwide Exchange every day, but... We're just talking our book. We're back with more on Wex right after this. Stocks and your money looking to kick off the new year on a high note. Futures, they are all in the green. The question is, can the markets keep the big returns coming in 2022? We'll talk about it. The COVID wave keeps coming. Dr. Carlos Del Rio is here on why case counts may no longer matter much. And maybe some good news around COVID and your kids at a time when we could all use it. And the flight mare continues. Thousands more flights canceled, millions delayed or stranded. Double whammy hitting the airlines and you right now. It's all happening on this Monday, January 3rd. And this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, welcome or welcome back, everybody. And it's great to be back with you. I am Brian Sullivan. Happy New Year, by the way. And it's looking like it could be a happy New Year start to your Monday money because we are seeing futures higher across the board. We're seeing gains about three to four tenths of one percent for all the major indexes. The Nasdaq, once again, looking like it will be the stronger player of the three. The Nasdaq on a percentage basis up more than the Dow. In fact, on a numbers basis, it is up over 100 well, we are coming off, of course, a very solid 2021. In fact, a 27% gain for the S&P 500, 29% if you count dividends. And why wouldn't you? We've got more big money stats coming up in the year. RBI, the first of the year in just a few minutes. You know what else is higher to kick off the year? The price of oil and thus gasoline oil moving up again more than 1%. It is back above $76 a barrel here and closing back in on 80 bucks a barrel overseas. Energy and energy stocks, the best sector last year. It's been about 15 years since we've said that. 
OPEC will meet today and tomorrow. Now, today's meeting is about deciding new leadership, whether or not Markindo continues on as secretary general. Tomorrow's meeting is about output. That is the meeting you no doubt care more about. It is one that could impact prices. They are expected to continue to add 400,000 barrels a day, every day, every month, until they eventually get back to pre-pandemic levels. You care about the cryptos, I'm sure. So here you go, Bitcoin and Ethereum. They're up a touch. We are seeing the rest down just a touch. All right, now let us blast through some key headlines to start your day. 2021 proving to be a rather electric year for Tesla, selling nearly 1 million cars. The company reporting that it delivered more than 308,000 autos in the fourth quarter, and that was a record and above estimates. For the full year, more than 936,000 autos delivered, a stunning 87% jump from the previous year. Tesla set to begin production of its vehicles at a new factory in Texas this year. A German facility also is set to open. Goldman Sachs, the latest firm to ask employees to work from home over COVID concerns. The bank sending a memo over the weekend encouraging its workers to do so until January 18th. Goldman does say the offices will remain open with previously announced safety protocols so you can go in if you want. And AT&T and Verizon are rejecting the Biden administration's request to delay their planned introduction of 5G wireless service over flight safety worries. In a joint letter, the company said they would not roll out the new service around airports for another six months, but would not limit a broader rollout. Companies had delayed plans to launch the service until this Wednesday to address concerns about potential interference with a plane's cockpit safety and your new 5G phone. The FAA has been preparing to issue potentially disruptive flight restrictions if AT&T and Verizon had decided not to hold off on the 5G unveil. So it looks like AT&T and Verizon are headed for a major fight with the Federal Aviation Administration. Well, as if potential 5G disruptions were not enough, the airline industry is grappling with a massive wave of flight cancelizations. Thousands of flights being scrapped over the past week, even more this weekend. It's all due to a combination of both COVID-related illnesses and bad weather. CBC.com airline reporter Leslie Joseph is here now at the latest. All right, Leslie, uh, it's been bad out there. Where do the cancellations stand and is there any indication things make it any better? Yeah, it's still pretty bad on Monday. We're seeing more than 1,700 cancellations. That's a little bit better than what we saw. It's 2,700 plus over the weekend. Um, It's pretty bad news for travelers, and it's definitely bad news for airlines as well. They were really banking on this holiday season going smoothly, expecting some of the busiest days since the pandemic began, really ramping up their schedules and ramping up staffing to match it. Uh, But like you said, they had bad weather, winter storm, um, see, you know, going all the way from the Midwest, uh, some some weather out in the Pacific Northwest as well, now hitting D.C. So it's pretty much it's been around the country. But that's been combining with the Omicron infections, which, of course, you know, is affecting various industries and it's affecting airline staff, leaving airlines a little bit uh, short staffed pilots and flight attendants and others. Yeah, you got somebody test positive, then everybody's in close contact because, my God, Leslie, you're on a plane. If that's not the definition of close contact, I don't know what is. So you got the staffing issues there. What can the airlines do to try to beef up their staffing? Is there anything they can do? 
Well, what they've been doing so far, we saw United offering pilots triple pay uh, to pick up open trips. And that's uh, an incentive that's passed for most of January, an indication that the airline is significantly worried enough uh, that they wouldn't have enough staff um, that they're going to you know, throw some extra money at the problem, uh, which is something that we've seen airlines do throughout the pandemic when they've been short-staffed uh, for a, additional incentives. American Southwest have done this months before the holiday season so that that would go, that period would go smoothly for them. Spirit Airlines, Alaska also offering incentives, uh, extra pay for uh, flight attendants, um, at least through January 4th, and we'll see how long that lasts. So it is going to cost airlines quite a bit. Um, in addition to the refunds that they are likely going to have to give tens of thousands of passengers. Yeah, what is it? Any sign in the near term, Leslie, this is going to get better? And do you have any kind of a macro outlook for the remainder of the year? What kind of a year is this going to be for flying? I mean, uh, making predictions in January about airlines is always a, a, a tricky <laughs> a tricky venture. Um, but what we're seeing so far in the numbers this week, uh, the cancellation should start to alleviate with uh, the weather improving. Starting tomorrow, we're only seeing about 200, 250 cancellations on the board for U.S. flights. How the rest of the, the year looks, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit tricky because you have a, a seasonal lull after the holiday period, so you don't have a lot of people traveling. But with the rise of these Omicron infections, you could see businesses also pushing back uh, some business trips, return to office. We're all already seeing some delays there. So that could kind of lighten the passenger load on, on airlines that might be a little bit short-staffed. Um, but they, of course, need the revenue. These have been two bruising years for airlines, probably one of the most affected industries by the pandemic. Um, but th- what we've heard from airline executives is that the second half of the year or later in the year, um, it is expected to get much better. A lot of people have put off trips throughout much of the pandemic. International travel is supposed to come back in a big, really big way um, in the summer. So it, it does remain to be seen. Yeah. And some of these predictions hold true about Omicron infections peaking somewhat soon in the next few weeks and then uh, kind of falling off, you know, that, that it could pan out that way. Yeah, we'll see. By the way, you know, we predicted last year, I did, that airline fares would double up when so nobody was flying, Leslie, and, and they did. I wonder if they're going to continue to go up because airline fares on these popular routes, despite everything else going on, they continue to tick higher. Really interesting story. Leslie Josephs, we appreciate it there. If you're flying somewhere, folks, Good luck. Get home safe. Leslie, thank you. All right. So why don't we stay right there, kind of on the pandemic story? Because, as you know, hospitalization and case trends are both rising here and globally. In fact, Europe looking far worse than most of us right now. The cold weather northeast states, of course, are getting slammed the hardest, as with last year, with New York and New Jersey is the highest cases as a percent of their population. Many testing positive. And now this. There is some talk that regulators may flip again and recommend a negative test to end COVID isolation after five days. This after the CDC got slammed for cutting quarantine times from 10 days to five days and not saying you need a test. Now they may flip again and say you might need a test. There's also questions about the severity of Omicron. You've probably heard conflicting stories about that and the kids. There's a lot of questions So let's get some answers with Dr. Carlos Del Rio, Executive Associate Dean at the Emory University School of Medicine. Uh, Doctor, thanks for joining us. I hope we get some time for this interview because um, I've been following you on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen what I've been posting. I've been trying to post data about hospitalizations 
that indicate that, yes, things are scary right now. But there are also things that we need to consider about underlying conditions, secondary requirements for hospitalizations. What's the real story on COVID right now? Well, good morning, Brian. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of things happening. First of all, uh, Omicron is very infectious. So the number of cases is going up very rapidly. I mean, I think almost everybody knows somebody who's been infected, some household that has been infected. You probably have it in your house. If, uh, if Omicron infects you and you are vaccinated, or especially if you're boosted, Omicron is nothing more than a, that a, that a call for most people. However, giving the number of people who are getting infected, giving the number of people who have underlying condition, giving the number of people not yet vaccinated, fully vaccinated or boosted, giving the number of people with you know immunosuppressive conditions and who, who were maybe vaccinated many months ago, the number of hospitalizations are going up. And in fact, we're seeing record numbers of hospitalizations, not only among adults, but among children as well. Now, yeah, among those that are hospitalized right now, about 20% are people who've been vaccinated in the past. Almost nobody who's been boosted is being hospitalized. The people that are being hospitalized, a lower percentage are going into the ICU. But again, because the numbers are very high, we're seeing problems in ICUs, problems in the hospital. We're also seeing a very significant increase in hospitalizations in children. Now, this may not seem as much. We're seeing about 300 to 400 new hospitalizations in children under the age of 17. That may not seem like a lot in our country, but you know, we almost had no hospitalizations in children in the past uh, waves, yeah. except in Delta we had a little bit, but clearly it's going up in children under the age of 17. So it's a very complicated picture. And as, as Leslie mentioned in the, in the airline industry, we're seeing a similar thing in the healthcare industry. Doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, others working in healthcare are getting infected, are getting placed in isolation, and therefore we have significant staffing shortages. And those staffing shortages are leading to cancellations as well, but those cancellations are in elective surgeries and elective procedures. So you may not have COVID, but if you were scheduled to get a colonoscopy or to get a, a you know a gallbladder removal or a cancer surgery, a heart surgery that's scheduled, that may yeah. be postponed as a result of COVID. Yes, and, and I spoke with seven different doctors and physicians over the last three days and using anecdotal data from the UK as well, Iowa and North Dakota, the only two states, by the way, that publish this. It looks like about 30% of COVID hospitalizations are for secondary COVID, meaning broken leg, some other illness, they put you in, they test positive. Talk to us about that, but also you tweeted out, doctor, an article last night, really a substack from Emily Oster, uh, showing that despite the fear levels with kids, and there's a lot of parents that are very afraid right now, the risk of a child being hospitalized for COVID is still lower than the risk of hospitalization for adults who are vaccinated. That's right. You know, I think what you're seeing, first of all, is that we're testing pretty much everybody admitted to the hospital. So it's not uncommon that somebody, you know, will have a car wreck or will have an accident or will have a broken leg. They'll test them and they test positives. That's about 20 to 30 percent of people being hospitalized right now uh, with COVID don't necessarily have COVID. They, they're infected and they have something. They're infected with COVID, but they're not sick from COVID, uh, sick enough to be hospitalized, but they're hospitalized for other conditions. You're also uh, what Dr. Oster, uh, you know, wrote about. I think it's very important for people to know. I have two uh, uh, grandchildren, uh, two granddaughters that are both under the age of, of two years. They're not vaccinated. And, you know, we are obviously very concerned about them getting infected. But the reality is that 
when children get infected, the number of hospitalizations is still very low. So one thing to tell parents is protect your children, you know, surround yourself with vaccinated adults. Try not to expose your children by taking them to restaurants, yeah. to bars, to indoor settings. But the reality is the chances of them ending up in the hospital are exceedingly low. Having said that, we're seeing more COVID hospitalizations in children that we've ever seen before. Is there, doctor, I know we're late on time. Is there something you can do to calm parents down a bit? I spoke again with a couple of ER doctors over the weekend. They told me the same thing, all of them in different parts of the country, that a lot of parents are bringing their kids in. They've got common cold symptoms or no symptoms. They test positive and the parents are effectively panicking. They're, 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 they're coming in and the doctors are talking them down and sending them home. What, what advice can you give to parents right now during this very scary time? Because we don't need the ERs jammed up with people who are not sick or don't have any symptoms. Well, you know, ideally, if you want to test your kid, if you're concerned about it and you want to test your kid, try to get a rapid test that you can do at home or try to take them to a testing site, but don't take them to the ER. The ERs are very busy. If they're not sick, they don't go to, need to go to the ER. If they're short of breath, if they're coughing a lot, if they're looking bad, you need to take them to the ER. But if they just have a fever and they you know, have a sore throat or they just you know, look a little like they have a cold, and try to get them tested for COVID, but outside the ER. And remind parents that a lot of other viruses, respiratory viruses during this time of the year, RSV, uh, you know, influenza, there are many other causes of cold-like symptoms this time of the year. But at the end of the day, yep. you need to be concerned, but you don't need to panic. The reality is keep your, try to keep your kids safe and hopefully they won't get infected. Even if they get infected, the, the vast majority of kids will do fine. Yeah, well, well said, doctor. Thank you for instilling a little calm. You've got grandkids, your own parents, grandparents need to hear that right now. You know, we spent billions of dollars last year on ramping up testing. You wonder where all the tests are. Dr. Carlos Del Rio, thank you very much. Where'd they go? All right, so let's talk more about hospitalizations because they are a lot higher in some places than others. And as the end of December, with the states with the highest hospitalization rates, at least for 100,000 people, bit of a blunt instrument, to be fair. But of out of 100,000 people, here are the five states as of December 30th from Becker's Hospital Review with the highest hospitalization rates. Washington, D.C., number one, 48 out of 100,000, or about 0.5% of the population, 0.05, excuse me, in the hospital. Ohio is next at 44 per 100,000. That might be made even tougher because the Cleveland Clinic system is down about 3,000 workers as of a couple of days ago due to staffing issues. That is followed by number three, Indiana, number four, Delaware, and number five, Pennsylvania. Again, those are hospitalization rates per 100,000 people. We can keep trying to get more precise as more data comes in, but according to Becker's Hospital Review, there is the five right now, and you do not want to be on that list. Coming up, the results are in for our matchup of our favorite stock pickers and their investment ideas to help you make money in the new year. Stephanie Link is up with some of her ideas coming up. All right, welcome or welcome back, and Happy New Year, everybody. Well, heading into the fourth quarter of last year, I mean, it seems so last year ago, we brought together eight of our favorite stock pickers and some technical strategies to give you some fresh investment ideas and hopefully would outperform over the final three months of the year. The results are in. And your next guest, Trio of Trades, finished the quarter with an average gain of 10.5%. That's in just three months. Joining us now to take a victory lap, Hightower Chief Investment Strategist, Portfolio Manager, CBC Contributor, all-around great person, Hightower Stephanie Leake. Steph, 10.5% in 90 days. 
That's fantastic. Congratulations. What's next? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, they, these are these are picks that I really liked, had high conviction in, but I actually still like them for 2022 as well. Okay, so let's talk about some of those names. You've been banging the drum on Cisco, the networking company, not the food distributor. <laughs> it's a, I hate to say, sorry, Cisco, it's been kind of a boring, forgotten name, not by you, and it's made <laughs> people money. What is it about Cisco that you still like? Yeah, so enterprise spend recovery is, is a 2022 theme for me, and I own a lot of these kinds of names, not only Cisco, but IBM and HPE as well, uh, Broadcom. Well, so last quarter, we heard from Broadcom, we heard from HPE, we heard from Dell, we heard from Cisco that enterprise spend is, in fact, recovering. And why I like Cisco is because they have got very good visibility, 33% product order growth led by 200% growth in cloud, 46% in commercial, and 30% in enterprise. And I think their guidance, Brian, is very conservative, conservative on gross margins, on operating margins because of the supply chains. And at the same time, as those get resolved, and Chuck Robbins, the CEO, thinks it's second half of 2022, as that gets resolved, they actually also have price increases that they put in place, which will be implemented in the second half of 2022. So you've got real potential operating leverage, trades at 15 times 23, and it gives you about a 2.4% dividend yield. Yeah. Okay, we talk a lot about COVID, obviously, right now. We just did a segment on travel flight mares. Can't, right now, is not, people are, like, freaking out about travel. But that's when you want to buy yeah. things that are travel-related, right, Stephanie? When, things are, when, the, when the headlines are negative, that's when you look to buy Expedia. You don't think there's gonna, I don't think there's going to be any demand drop for travel in 2022. If anything, I think it's going to go up. Maybe the first quarter of this year, um, you could see a little bit of softening because of Omicron. But I think there's huge pent up demand from the consumer. These guys had an outstanding quarter last quarter when they reported. They said lodging bookings actually only fell in the month of Oct uh, October 2 percent versus 2019. That was versus down 19 percent in September. So you had a 17 percentage point gain month over month because of the pent up demand as we got away from the Delta wow. concern. So, get, so I, guess the, I guess the Omicron is going to be something to watch, but I do think there is ultimately a lot of pent-up demand. And the only other uh, part of the story that's interesting to me is the cost-cutting story. And they're going to have um, a lot of, in terms of what they can do, they beat gross margins by 200 basis points last quarter. And I think you're going to see 2 to $3 billion in free cash flow so they can buy back stock. So I would stick with this one and buy on weakness. And very quickly, you roll. I love it. New year, new pick, fresh money, Bank of America. Yeah, and it was a great performer last year for sure, but the stock uh, only trades at about 1.9 times book value, 12.8 times earnings, and uh, they have a $25 billion buyback program put in place. They bought $9 billion last quarter alone. Diversified product mix. They're doing a very good job in efficiency ratio. Efficiency ratio fell 700, yeah. over 700 basis points. Really good in terms of excess capital, $26 billion in excess capital. So I like this one. This is a definition of operating leverage. Costs coming down, demands going higher. You'll see pretty good earnings. B A C E X P E C S C O and all the other letters. Stephanie Link of Hightower, A plus in our book. Speaking of letters, thank you, Steph. Have a happy new year. Look forward to seeing Thanks, you soon. Brian. Take care. You too. All right. All right. Thank you. All right on deck. It is your first RBI of the new year, and we're going to lay out the top stocks of 2021, including one name up nearly 700%. Wow. Plus, 
What stocks is Digus right like in the new year? Well, he's along to tell you as well. Wex rolls on right after this. All right, I am back, and so is the RBI, the most random but interesting thing you may hear today, CNBC style, of course. And what is more CNBC than laying out what companies are making investors, and hopefully you, the most money? So now that last year is in the books, let's find out what super stocks were some of the superstars of the indexes. So now let's present 2021's best stocks and the single worst. All right, first, the top performers in each index. In the Dow, it was Home Depot up 56%. The S&P 500, the numbers start to get big. Devon Energy up 179. Even bigger, the NASDAQ 100, Lucid Group, the parent of Lucid Air, the new EV, that stock up 280%. In the mid-cap space, what else? It was GameStop up 687%. The apes had it right, made a lot of money, by the way, and that was the single best stock of all the major indexes. And in the small cap 600, with a nearly 490% gain, is verative. By the way, a bonus RBI, the S&P 500 beat the Dow and the NASDAQ last year. Doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's the first time the S&P has beaten both of those indexes since all the way back in 2005. All right, that's the good news. Let's end the show on a, on a low note, at least this segment, because while we just gave you the best stocks, let's be fair and get both sides. So without further ado... The Radzi Award for the single worst major stock of 2021, market cap above 500 million, was Peloton. Early darling, then faded. Peloton over the year down 76%. Investors waiting to see some profit from that company. All right, let's broaden it out as the 2022 trading year, he says, prepares to kick off and bring in Digus, right? He is founder, CEO, and CIO of Decatur Capital. Manager Digus, good morning. Uh, happy New Year. I'll kick it off with some investable ideas for our audience. They've made a lot of money last year listening to you. Now they're thinking, what can we do this year? What do you got for us? So it's great to be with you on this first workday of the new year. So let's talk about uh, what type of companies you want to focus on. You want to focus on companies that have uh, great demand for their products. You want to focus on companies that are not easily substituted and also companies that have a high barrier to entry. For instance, United Health. It is a company that has been going to be driven off of the healthcare technology platform. This makes up about 25% of their revenues and it is growing. So if you go into a doctor's office and they help and they hand you a clipboard, that's indication that the records have not been digitized. And this is a great opportunity for United Health. It is also one of the few health insurance companies that's in 130 countries and it's growing internationally. Another company that you may want to look at is KeyCorp, a finance company mm. that is a U.S. regional bank, about $23 billion, and it's doing quite well. Uh, and so it also has a very unique acquisition strategy. It has acquired business-to-business -business digital platform, an analytical consulting company, and also a digital lending organization. Great growth. Yeah, Key Corp and United, United Health is where I got well, another one, United United, Microelectronics. Don't have a lot of time left in the show. UMC, what do you love about it, Diggis? We love about this is that one, it's an ADR based in Taiwan, and it is actually, when you look at the valuation, it has a 4 PE of 20 times. The industry average is 33 times. Great valuation on this company. Also, the EPS 
in 2020 was 43 cents. In 2021, it grew to 80 cents, yep. a growth of 86%. Great valuation, yep. great company. Got to leave it there, my friend. Happy New Year. Thank you very much, folks. We'll see you tomorrow on Wex Squawking the Gang, picking up the coverage first of the year. Next, see you tomorrow. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.